Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction, and free shipping, and that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Hello. Hello. Welcome to the pod. Welcome to Zipod. It is nice here. <laughs> At the historically badass broads headquarters. Yes. And we're talking about we're talking about ladies. We're talking about ladies that you should have learned about. Yes. Or should have learned More? anything accurate about. Yeah. That's that's the second part, and I find that part sometimes more important. I'm gonna learn a really? lot today. And I'm mm-hmm. excited about it. That I'm so felt happy. like I was on PBS for a second. <laughs> <laughs> Let's learn together. That's such a good voice. Thank you. I, you know, the voice acting career is imminent. So, yeah, I was going to say, I'm like, what are they doing? Sleeping on you. It's ridiculous. Everybody's just taking a big nap, and I'm sick of it. I'm Anyways. sick of it for you. <laughs> Let us discuss who is the woman of the month. I had a hard time picking a lady because there's a lot of things happening in the world, right? And I like to kind of, sometimes I like to include people that I think help us relate to ourselves with our own experiences or things Mm -hmm. that are happening. Mm -hmm. Um. This one is because, like many of the women we've discussed, I first read about her in a young adult faux diary series Ooh. called Princess Diaries, which no relation to the great classic film. Um, <laughs> the great classic. It's true. It is. I, I'm sorry. Like, it's such a good. The first uh, two are excellent. Um, completely correct opinion. Thank you. Um, mm-hmm. Eminence on a pizza, an iconic romantic gesture. Um, so something that has inspired me for my dinner tonight as well. But oh yes, please continue. Okay, so you have to take pictures and let everyone know. Because um, <laughs> I've never been brave enough to actually do it. I've just pictured it in my brain. I am the type of sick, sick individual that would love to do something like that. <laughs> it's not sick. It's called curiosity. Yeah, you're right. And Adventurousness. I admire it. Adventure. Catch me on An the insatiable podcast. desire to experience. I don't know. I love it. Wow. Um, I read about her and I remember reading the diary and this one was a bit different than the other ones. And I was like, interesting. And then I remember reading more about her because at the end of the fake diary, there's like a little actual biography of them, like mm. a couple pages. Mm-hmm. Um, and the ending was so out of nowhere and shocking to me that I was kind of like, well, I'm never going to let go of this. So my curiosity is peaked. Oh, my God. I hope that's what I was hoping. I'm not kidding. Um, <laughs> like a cliffhanger. <laughs> today, 
my dearest Chloe and listeners. Yes. We will be discussing Empress Cece of Austria. Oh. There's a there's always something fictional being created in and around her life. So there were mm. there was a very famous series of movies that came out called like CC and then CC and something and blah with um mm-hmm. Romy Schneider, the actress playing her. And it's like almost as well known as like CC's life itself. <laughs> like I know that sounds kind of ridiculous, but I'm not kidding. Um, so I believe the first one of those came out. Yeah. It was like 1950 something. And it's not even close to being the very first film to focus on Elizabeth. It's because she was like a very intriguing individual in her own life. Um, Mm -hmm. So there's a lot of impressions about her. There's a lot of kind of apocryphal stories and then probably some that seem apocryphal, but are actually true. Mm-hmm. So we're not going too far back in time for oh, me. Back uh, gone, yeah. We're, we're going to the 24th of December, 1837. Oh, it's yesterday. I know. Hop, skip on a jump. Hop, skip and a jump. <laughs> we're going to Munich. Lovely. Which at the time was in Bavaria, which was a state that until like the unification of Germany Mm -hmm. and even then after it it was fairly independent. Mm -hmm. So she was born to Princess Ludovica and Duke Maximilian Joseph. Mm -hmm. And Duke Maximilian Joseph or Max, um, they're... She's born into the Bavarian house of um, Wittelsbach. And I love the German. It's such a hilarious language to me sometimes. Um, I realized and- I was nodding emphatically, but that's <laughs> a, a silent gesture. So It is. <laughs> <laughs> it's such a fun language. And some of the words are so long. And why? Anyway. Um, yeah. So her, they're a junior branch of that family. Um, but Princess Ludovica is the sixth, yeah, sixth child of King Maximilian Joseph of Bavaria and his mm-hmm. second wife. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Basically, there were tons of kids. She was the sixth of them. And she had a sister who ends up becoming the empress of Austria and the Holy Roman Empire. We'll talk about her. She plays a big role. Wait, um, I'm so sorry to do this. Mm-hmm. Are you aware of this whole Roman Empire TikTok thing going on right now? I am, and I... <sighs> Can you explain it to me, please? Yes, absolutely. And for the listener who is not addicted to TikTok, as I unfortunately am, mm-hmm. uh, I believe that somebody asked their male partner how did i know how often do you think about the roman empire and he responded something along the lines of every day or at least once a week what it turned into then people on tiktok asking their 
boyfriends, etc. Naturally. Do you think about the Roman Empire ever? And they all respond, oh yeah, every day. Or at least, you know, at least once a week. Some, you know, maybe once a month, but usually every day. What are you thinking day. about the Roman Empire, though? Like, in what I context? think the whole thing is a joke. I think none of them do, and they've all just decided to answer this together. That's more likely. That feels more likely. But for the first few videos that I saw of this, I did believe it. And I thought to myself, why are we thinking about the Roman Empire? What, what is it in the gender divide that makes you think about the Roman Empire every day? While I think about my safety every day, you know, like what the luxury what? <laughs> of not having to be concerned with mere survival and therefore I know you they're think like, about other you, things. Yeah, they're like, what else can I think about every this day? This is the plot, Chloe. So they keep us suppressed and oppressed, right? And then we are unable <gasps> oh, to, and in God. fact, it is unwise for our survival as a right. gender to. Right. Think of other things and be creative. So not only are we cut right. out of structures of power, it is mm. designed to continue that. And God forbid you are a woman of any minority mm-hmm. ever because mm-hmm. you are it's so much worse. It is infinitesimally worse. I can never say mm-hmm. that word, but I still love it. It's just, <laughs> oh, you know I mean, what I keep off, saying? You know fire. what I keep thinking though? It's, <laughs> Women are not a special interest group. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry. When when did I mean always right? We were because because we are made. We are encouraged. We are made to make ourselves smaller. So maybe it feels like we're a minority, and maybe mm-hmm. because we've been cut out of so much of the public world and continue to be again for anyone who's not a white woman, mm-hmm. like. It, Because of that, maybe it feels – and because we're not able to be represented as well because of all of the structures and power that keep us that way. And if Mm -hmm. you are represented, you're probably like a freaking horrible person. I'm (laughs) thinking of a couple in particular. Um, Yeah. A thousand percent. And it's like, you know, when the system is designed to oppress Mm – and then does it as a wonderfully self-fulfilling prophecy for the oppressors then go like, mm, but like if you wanted to, and if you could, you'd be here with us is perhaps one of the more upsetting things, but also like fucking come at me at this point. I'm done. I'm so done. I'm because we're not a special interest group. I'm going to say that again. We are not a special interest group. We, for a very long time, continue to be over half of the population on this godforsaken planet. Mm-hmm. When did the interests of over half of the population of this stupid planet become a special interest? It should be the only interest, as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, you tell them. I'm so mad all the time. <laughs> okay, well, speaking of that, honestly, similarly, a TikTok trend that I'm enjoying <laughs> to flip this, yes, <laughs> is the very like the outro of an Olivia Rodrigo song that came out recently. Is, is it the vampire one? No, okay. it's uh, 
it's like she's she's doing this rock thing that I'm enjoying. It's very teenager. It's very like she strikes me as that. It sounds cathartic as heck. Mm. Uh, and she, I'm getting Avril from her, and I'm not mad. Yeah, very much so. Yes, yes, yeah, absolutely. I'm not mad about it. It's a song in which she's like talking about how women are like held to this standard of perfection and like Mm. you know they're screaming it's great it sounds it's it's very cathartic but the outro is uh all the time i'm grateful all the time i'm pretty and i'm no i'm sexy and i'm kind i'm pretty when i cry and it's like it's like little happy music and in the background, like underneath the I'm grateful all the time, you hear her go, I'm grateful all the fucking time. Like, yeah, it's like, it's like, look at the absolute awful standard that we must be at all times of perfection and happy and grateful and pretty and sexy. And I'm um, even when I cry, I'm pretty like mm-hmm. and, and the sheer and, and women are lip syncing punishment. To it. Yes, that as well. Women are lip thinking to it on TikTok, and you can see the like unfiltered feminine rage in everybody's (laughs) eyes. It's like it. That's that's if we're gonna contrast two trends going on on TikTok right now, that that one is. Oh, but see, there's no contrast. Yeah, they are one and the same. Yeah, you're right. They're the same. And you know what's weird? That's what women are dealing with, and then men have the Roman Empire. Again, I, I I don't love speaking about gender in a binary, but, you know, for the sake of this. I don't either, for but... For the sake of brevity, you know. <laughs> but in terms of cis, mostly white, but cis dudes, like, mm-hmm. I feel like I can minimize them to a generalization, because it makes me happy. Um, specifically and, in this Roman Empire discussion, because that yeah, just yeah, yeah. feels that feels. But you know what's very... interesting is like I mean, I think about it all the time. What? But I'm weird. But I think about it in Mora. terms of like no, 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 no. Because this is a bombshell. You can't just drop this casually on the pod. But you think about I the also Roman think, Empire all the time. I also think about the freaking like uh, Angevin Empire constantly. Like I'm, okay, I'm, sure. I'm constantly yeah, thinking about helpful. things that happened in the past because <laughs> I like it. It's kind of the whole point. You're like justice for the Roman Empire. I think about no, it. <laughs> justice for fucking history. <laughs> I know. I mean, what? What? My curiosity is. I know. I was thinking. Should about they you not this. be kidding? Should they what, really be what, thinking? In you know, what we learned context so much. Are they history. thinking of the Roman Empire? No, but like, are they thinking of like Hercules? Because that's not. So thing. this is this is where it goes. That's also to Greek. a deeper deeper place that I have not explored. Okay, I I have not followed this trend deeply mm-hmm. enough, but I have, I do think that in these videos sometimes the the partners will be like, "What what do you mean? Like, what do you what do you mean you think about? Like, what are you thinking about? What do you, what is yeah. that? You know, I I think I think they get asked that. Okay. <laughs> Let's well, see if I can. I'll, I'll throw some. I'll throw some on the Instagram this week. <laughs> Good. It's actually interesting though. Both of the conversations that we've had, which are really one and the same, um, yes. just now tie neatly into Empress Cece's life. Like, yeah, excellent segue. <laughs> no, legitimately though. Like, I'm not kidding. No, no. I will go on rants later because of this. So mm, excellent. 
Also, they're not rants. Uh, they're in- intellectual expressions of my internal frustration at mm. external inequalities. An impassioned statement. Sta- statement, mm. yeah. Mm-hmm. I was trying mm. to think of something better, but... Thanks, thanks. Statement. Because I don't like the idea that, oh, I went on a rant as if, I'm unhinged and unable to control it. I can control it. No, you're allowed to have smart opinions that are supported by emotions. Exactly. But are we? Are we, Chloe? Oh, you're right. I forgot. Actually, we're not. I, yeah. t- I take that back. You give me that space because you're a, a good person and a woman. <laughs> and a friend. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Win. You get a gold star. Success. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Tell me about this, Empress. Okay, cool. So she was born to Duke Maximilian of Bavaria and Princess Ludovica of Bavaria. Mm-hmm. They're mm-hmm. probably cousins. I didn't look into it, but everyone's a freaking cousin of each other. Um, <laughs> and she, her mom is the half-sister of the current king of Bavaria, King Ludwig. Mm. And her, one of her other sisters, there were so many kids in that mm-hmm. family. One mm-hmm. of her other sisters is the Empress of Austria, of the Holy Roman Empire. So like, they did well. Mm-hmm. Her husband is... A mi- like I said, a minor part of the Wittelsbach family, um, mm-hmm. but still doing okay. He's a weird dude. Okay. I can't lie. Duke Maximilian or Max is an odd individual. He was known for his love of circuses. Uh-huh. And he like kind of wanted his children to forego like a legit education a lot of the time. Like he wanted them to experience the world in a different way. He encouraged them to befriend peasant children, which is like, what? Progressive. Um, Yeah, I know. I know. Crazy. Mm. So her mom was in charge of education per huge minor nobility. They're going to have governesses, but it's not going to be like there's a system set up for them. The mom's still going to have to actually be part of it. Mm -hmm. And um, so there was no like formality of court, like structure, procedure, any of that. So she would often skip like her classes and then she would just go writing. And um, she was by all accounts, fairly close with her dad. Um, and we don't really have a huge impression of her with her mom when she's younger, but that mm-hmm. could just be the fact that like a lot of women, we don't have a huge amount of her early life yeah. from her perspective. Right. Um, so she, yeah, so she's free, she's loose, and she's, by all accounts, a fairly pensive individual. And as she's growing up, she has this beautiful dark blonde hair. Um, she becomes very well known for the hair. And okay. is is growing into, like, a very beautiful young woman. Um, mm-hmm. And her aunt, the Archduchess of the Holy Roman Empire, I said Empress, she's Long story. Archduchess Sophie was, who is the, who's Cece's aunt. She um, married the Archduke of Austria. They had like freaking six kids. Um, Mm -hmm. She didn't really like her husband. He was obsessed with her. Interesting. Um, She had like two favorite kids. One was her eldest son, Franz Joseph, and her other was Ferdinand Maximilian, also known as Max. 
-hmm. he became the emperor of Mexico and was assassinated. Interesting guy. Anyway, she was a very interesting woman. um, And she was often called the only man at court. Because of her her strength, (laughs) her commanding presence. Yeah. The power of the above. Mm -hmm. Nice. Nice. And so her, he was, her husband was going to become the emperor, but Mm -hmm. there was a revolution. I mean, this is, this is like the time when everyone is, uh, rebelling in Europe. And so during the Mm -hmm. 1848 season of rebellion and revolution, um, all the accounts call in this moment, they're like, she persuades her feeble minded husband. Like I want every single one of them says that. And I love, <laughs> love it. Love. <laughs> um, she says, no one's going to want you. You're old and they hate you. You know who they do want? A beautiful young man. <laughs> Verbatim. They said that pretty much. And so she gets her husband to give up the throne and it passes to her son, Prince Joseph. Huh. And of course, Sophie's like, okay, I'm here now. And was absolutely um, perhaps the most powerful figure in Central Europe at the time. She was Mm -hmm. kind of given that free reign, not least of which because I think her husband was, her husband, her son was like 18. Mm -hmm. Um, So he was pretty young. And, and yeah, so it's been a couple years. Um, and now Franz Joseph is 23. Stirrings of revolution begin again because, of course, mm. nothing's actually really changed and people mm. are still suffering. Mm. And um, she goes, you know what we need to do? Something that royal families have done from the beginning of time and continue to do so today. We should have a royal wedding and we'll distract everyone. <laughs> and so she goes, I want to make sure that I still have control over this. I'm going to look to one of my gajillion nieces. And so she looks and she finds Maximilian and Ludovica's eldest daughter, Helene, and Mm -hmm. goes, you sound good. Great. So Helene is arranged-ish. There's a lot of debate about how far along in the betrothal process this was, but Mm -hmm. regardless... I believe from most historical accounts, except for like a couple of very opinionated ones, which is why I'm like, mm. um, Helene was intended as the bride. Foreshadowing. So <laughs> Helene travels with her mom and I believe two of her younger sisters, but at least the 15 year old Cece. Mm-hmm. They go to Munich and They have some travel difficulties and what they're doing is they're going to celebrate the emperor's birthday and they're going to Bad Ischl, which is a palace, I believe. Mm -hmm. So on their way, they had visited the queen dowager of Bavaria, who was in mourning for her brother. So they were wearing mourning clothes Mm -hmm. and their coaches got like lost with the clothing and so there this is like the whole story and i don't know the level of appropriateness for this because there's a lot of different accounts but this is the official line Mm -hmm. is that um 
They weren't able to change out of their traveling attire. Not only is it traveling attire, it's also black. And Helene had dark hair and was pretty pale. And the black apparently didn't suit her that well. Whereas Cece had dark blonde hair and was very fetching. And it made her look more striking. That is what every single account says. And Franz Joseph walks in and goes, who's that child? I want her. Ew. Well, she's 15. Sorry. Sorry. I'm, I'm at a, you know, I'm adding. She's 15. I'm just going to keep emphasizing her age. She's 15. Yeah, no, I, I stand by my ew. Thank you. Good. <laughs> and so Helene was very obedient, which is why she was chosen. Um, and pretty quiet. Like she wasn't, she wasn't ever going to rock a boat. And Franz mm-hmm. Joseph was like, uh, but your sister's so pretty. And so instead of like proposing to Helene, he just like out of nowhere proposes to Elizabeth. Wow. And apparently there's a lot of interesting talk about whether or not it happens in public, whether or not it happens in private, whether Cece Mm -hmm. knew, whether she didn't. Mm -hmm. The, I guess, protocol was he hand, there's a beautiful bunch of roses and instead of handing them to Helene, he hands them to Cece. And that's kind of the like indication of it. And that must have been cold. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so there's a lot of accounts of CC. There's like three or four different like TV shows and movies out right now at this exact moment. And where where have I been? I don't know. They're they're I'm usually actually to... foreign. So like a lot CC is uh... still like a major, major like it's like how there's like eight thousand Churchill documentaries and movies constantly. Sure. Or like Queen Victoria, like constant. It's like that with Cece, but for like a lot of Central Europe and Germany. Yeah. Yeah. So it seems like either Cece was like, her mom was like, do you know what just happened? And like, you just got engaged to the emperor or whatever. And Cece's like, oh, I love him, but I wish he wasn't the emperor. Like, that's kind of a statement that's attributed to her. What is it? And like, why? What is that? What does that mean? I guess it's meant to imply the fact that she wasn't like, not excited about him, Mm -hmm. but knew that the life would not be the same is, is the general story and trend. Um, I guess it's more like she had freedom in her life and she knew that that would go away. Yeah. Yeah. Pretty much. That's fair. I guess I'm always surprised when, you know, they're actually into the other person. (laughs) That's what you mean. She, she, she was into him. (laughs) I mean, he was, he was a very handsome young man who was an emperor. I mean, you know, sure. Impeccably well-dressed, pretty. So was she, like, young, pretty people. Again, I'll allow it. Mm -hmm. Okay, good. (laughs) And so Sophie's, like, not wanting Cece, but at this point the emperor's like, that's only her. So five days later, betrothal's officially announced, and Cece goes back to her home and is like, what the fuck? And then um, starts preparing for her life wedding yeah Yeah. and then eight months later she's 16 it's the 24th of april 1854 and they get married in vienna it's a big deal there's a lot of really pretty portraits of it um Mm -hmm. and then weirdly enough the marriage 
is not consummated immediately. Hmm. And you may ask me, Maura, why do I have to know that? And it's, it's because it's, it's super important. It like doesn't count as official until, right? Yes, until that is absolutely part of it. It's also hey. the fact that everyone records it and therefore you have to know. Do they give a reason or that's, is that coming up? It seems like he was trying to be like gentle with her, I guess. And like, okay. she was 15, newly like 16, I believe. And, yeah. um, you know, he's like a 23, 24 year old dude. Mm-hmm. With, I believe at the time quite the freaking facial hair and um, <laughs> I mean but like welcome to Germany in the mid 19th century I guess um, yeah. <laughs> but yeah so she for whatever reason it took a while um, and After it was consummated, she finally received her dower payment. <laughs> right. Because, you know. Bizarre. And works, yeah. immediately there are clearly issues with her mother-in-law. So the Habsburg Ooh. court is strict. Like, it's got its protocols. Apparently, after she arrived and after her wedding, she wasn't allowed to kiss and hug her family goodbye. Mm. Um, and so in a mm. most likely psychosomatic episodic thing that becomes kind of a hallmark in her life she Mm -hmm. becomes very sick um she seems to have like a cough and is anxious if she has to go down like a Mm -hmm. massive or narrow like staircase of which there were a gajillion in all of these massive castles and palaces Mm -hmm. um yeah uh she freaked out and so like vertigo or like i think just general anxiety yeah that's interesting so yeah she goes from being like an unimportant little duchess to Mm -hmm. a the single most important ostensibly single most important woman in that part of europe which is quite large solid amount of pressure yeah yeah and sophie archduchess sophie was like you don't know anything and i'm gonna make you do what i want and then cc's Mm -hmm. like I don't know if I want to do that, but like, whatever. But a month after her wedding, Cece's pregnant. Mm. One month. So 10 months after, mm-hmm. she has her first baby and everyone's really mad. Why? It's a girl. There you go. Saw it coming from a mile away, man. <laughs> <laughs> do you want to know what happens with this poor child? Uh thrown on the street no no um sophie's like you don't know shit you're a silly young mother that is an actual direct quote oh cc takes the the baby baby, names it after herself (laughs) doesn't allow elizabeth to like see the child and has specific nursery rooms built next to her apartments which means if cc wants to visit her daughter she has to go through sophie's apartments oh Oh, it's not good. That sounds traumatizing. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I'm pretty sure biologically it's uh, quite harrowing to separate a child from their mother like that. 
they're for the for the mother i think it's quite traumatizing 16 or 17 year old mother yeah 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 Yeah. great great love it within the year she gives birth to a second daughter gisela yeah or gisela but it's gisela i believe and Archduchess Sophie's like, thank you, taking her now. Oh, my god! And because there was no the boy. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Everyone's like, mm, Cece, nobody likes you. And one day she comes home to her apartments and she finds a pamphlet on her desk. And these words are underlined oh. and I'm going to read them to you. Oh. I want you to take a wild guess as to who might have been the source of the pamphlet. Obviously, Miss Vulture. Well, we don't know, but like we do. <laughs> and I quote The natural destiny of a queen is to give an heir to the throne. If the queen is so fortunate as to provide the state with a crown prince, this should be the end of her ambition. She should by no means meddle with the government of an empire, the care of which is not a task for women. If the queen bears no sons, she's merely a foreigner in the state and a very dangerous mm. foreigner, too. For as she can never hope to be looked on kindly here, and must always expect to be sent back when she came, so she will always seek to win the king by other than natural means. She will struggle for position and power by intrigue and the sowing of discord to the mischief of the king, the nation, and the empire. What kind of pamphlets are we printing that is outrageous. Yeah. Can you imagine? You're like 18. You've had two babies, but you never see them. You don't even know. You're an empress, but like nobody likes you. You're alone. I would be diagnosed with clinical depression. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that That is unbelievable. Yes. Wow. Wow. Yeah. yeah. You're a foreigner. <laughs> Give us an air. Meanwhile, my niece... <laughs> yeah absolutely outrageous truly and what's interesting is of course as many things do it's really signaling a lot of sophie's own life trajectory (laughs) though she Mm. had many sons she was a powerful woman who actively sought out the power and Mm -hmm created situations for her power to succeed and so it's kind of like ma'am what do you do like come on we all know (laughs) that's you know that's the that's the abuser continuing the cycle of abuse truly truly so they travel a lot like Cece travels in her life like so much it's absolutely insane Hmm. um and so within, yeah, just or like to visit parts of the empire. Mm-hmm. But she, in 1857, so yeah, right after Gisela's born, they go to Hungary for the first time. And she's like, I like it here. The people here don't suck. And they don't want to be part of this empire. <laughs> They're very mm-hmm. like, mm, I don't want to. Mm-hmm. Um, we appreciate that you came in here and said you're mine, but like we didn't necessarily agree. Right. Um, to summarize the struggle of the Hungarian people. Yeah, yeah. Um, 
And so Elizabeth came back and was like, I'm going to learn Hungarian. I freaking love these people. And of course, Archduchess Sophie was like, these are the worst people in the world and I don't like it. Of course. And also, Sophie said, your kids are too young to travel. What are you doing? You're a terrible mother. Continuing that narrative. Yes. Continuing that narrative. And Cece's like, I just, I'm taking him with us. It's a thing. It's fine. And when she is in Hungary, because the small children are there and because it's her and she clearly has an affinity for the people, um, mm-hmm. they love her. She's like, they're like, oh yeah, Cece, that's our girl. Love her. Love her. Great. Mutual. Cute. Mutual. Yeah. And so they're visiting... Um, different parts of the country. So sometimes they'll leave their daughters at one of the palaces and they'll go visit another kind of thing and go around. And it becomes clear that Gisela and Sophia are sick. And no, it's kind of thought that it's typhus, but we can't diagnose as we've talked about many times. We don't know. And Sophie is like, fricking told you so. And (gasps) Gisela gets better, but their eldest daughter, Sophie passes away oh no elizabeth becomes as you hinted earlier wildly depressed yeah and as if she wasn't already inclined to that and it basically is like well i'm not fit so she just doesn't really involve herself in gisela's life they go back Mm. and um she's just like whatever here sophie you want the girl it's yours Mm -hmm. and what's interesting though is like so much of the rhetoric surrounding cc is obviously very critical we're going to get into it but Mm. um one of them is that she which is what's the first thing that we can throw at a woman one of the first things we can throw if she's had kids you're a bad mother no one likes you you hate your children and you're an unnatural woman basically and so people without any care for context or empathy, which I get people are into that now. I'm not. Um, she Lack of empathy? Yeah. It's trending? Nice. I mean, I'd say so. Yeah. Just like, God forbid you think about other people's experiences outside of your own. Um, Wild it's crazy. concept. It's, it's, it, who am I? <laughs> um, if you were never allowed to see your newborn, if you Mm. were constantly being told you were unfit, if no one at court appreciated you, valued you, your husband won't stand up to his mother fully, appreciates it, feels sorry, Mm. doesn't do a thing, and he's supposedly the powerful one. Mm -hmm. If the mother-in-law is saying, I'm doing this for everyone's good, Mm -hmm. and it's you, you're the problem, Mm -hmm. um, you shouldn't take your kids on this trip. Oh, look, I was right. You killed one of them. Ugh. Why on earth would she want to involve herself in her young younger daughter's life? Why? Yeah. There's no, like, she's just been pushed to isolation and extreme depression. And then her yeah. daughter dies. She didn't even get yeah. to know this daughter that well. And she was only two. Her younger daughter's like a year old Mm. and boom, she's like, okay, fine. And then of course, 
in December of that year, she gets pregnant for the third time. And Ludovica, her mom, is like, I really hope that you're able to, like, that this could be, like, a a new beginning for you. Like, Mm. horrible, but, like, Mm -hmm. hopefully this can help. Um, Right. And or hurt either way. Yeah, on the twenty first of August of eighteen fifty eight, that pamphlet would have been unnecessary because Cece gave him a boy. Glory, Rudolph Franz Karl Joseph. Yes, Rudolph. Yes, Rudolph. <laughs> Rudolph was born, and um, everyone's happy, and she's like, "You're welcome. I did it." And she goes, Franz Joseph, never having sex with you again. Bye. Really? I mean, it's clear that she's had some, like, sexual trauma. I think that much is clear. Yeah. yeah. I mean, there's no way she knew much about what was supposed to happen on her wedding night because that's not, like, a thing. Mm. Um, But also, it, it wasn't like female pleasure was like ever at the forefront of this. And no. when clearly her only purpose was to um, be a producer of babies and she had been failing at that, why on earth would she want to do it? So she's like, I gave you your son. We're good. Yeah. And so at the time, Cece goes, okay, um, well, I do have some interest in what's going on. And she goes, there's all these issues with my favorite country of Hungary. I want to be helpful. I want to be the person who's there to help. Mm-hmm. And the like ambassador basically to Hungary um, was trying to negotiate with her husband. And whenever they were being stupid and men, um, she would go, no, come on. You, you guys can be like, good and so they kind of are able to make it work um and i believe a major part of this is also the fact that sophie did exactly what she did for the other two children took rudolph and said well you really can't raise the future emperor and i don't think at that point she had any gumption to complain about it so she said fine you're attacking a country And I don't like it. And I would like you to be better. And so she kind of helps create peace. And eventually there is a Austro-Hungarian compromise of 1867, which creates this um, dual monarchy. Mm -hmm. And the ambassador, he becomes the first prime minister and she and her husband become king and queen of Hungary. And there are a lot of really famous portraits of Cece around this time. She looks, of course, absolutely gorgeous. Um, (laughs) And it, this is like the title she cared about the most. She did not care about the other stuff. And she was like, I am queen of Hungary. Yes, I love it. Um, And yeah, so we're starting to see. first win. (laughs) Yeah, truly. Truly. I mean, the son, I guess, but for her, I mean. Yeah, I agree. I think what's interesting is we start to see um, more of that psychosomatic expression of her depression and anxiety. Mm -hmm. And so she's 
fainting. She is coughing and becomes wildly focused on her beauty, which was very apparent. She's absolutely stunning. Um, Very famous for her hair. It's this very long hair. At this point, because she is now in her 20s, because she grew up, yeah, she, her hair is now like a really pretty light. They call it chestnut brown kind of color. So mm-hmm. it's like basically down to her ankles. It's insanely thick. It is gorgeous. Like, holy cow. How does anyone have hair like that? Very that kind cool. of cool. Mm-hmm. And it becomes like her signature. I mean, there are some really famous portraits of her when she's fairly young. Um that her husband always had up in his office and they're both with her hair down. Like it's, Mm -hmm. he was like deeply in love and was obsessed, but she was not feeling great. And so she started developing signs of um, disordered eating pretty quickly. Um, Mm. And definitely was using it as a means of control. I mean, we can, you know, psychologize whatever, but it's clear right. she had she believed in fasting cures. She had very intense exercise regimens. Um wouldn't really do much, you know, I mean just really intense long beauty rituals. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um that only got worse with time because she was aging, of course. Um because you know, people. And Sure. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) So something that we really start to see with Cece at the time is her hmm, grasping for control in her life. I mean, if we kind of think about it, she was pulled out of basically lower royal obscurity and Mm -hmm. came to the forefront at a wildly young age for all of that. Mm-hmm. Very um, powerful and large presenced mother-in-law. A husband who was just like, yep, I do what people tell me to do and I do it well. Um, and uh, all of a sudden had three kids. One of them died. I mean, it's just like a yeah. lot. Yeah. And so she starts using... And her appearance is something that she's been lauded for, right? Like it's a thing people are like, wow, can't believe we have such a beautiful young empress, blah, blah, blah. I mean, mm-hmm. basically it seems like Franz Joseph is like, you're prettier than your sister, so I want you. Like that's kind of what it seems yeah. like. Yeah. yeah. Um, and everyone's like, well, at least she's pretty. Like that keeps being a thing. So, I mean, literally, <laughs> this is how bad Sophie is. Sophie writes to a friend of hers. You cannot imagine how charming Cece is when she cries. What? Yeah. That's literally the the Olivia Rodrigo song. Pretty Yeah, much. I know. That's why when you said that, I was like, no way. <laughs> and Cece, meanwhile, is like, all these people want to see me. And it's just some show. Like, it doesn't matter. Mm. But it does because she starts spending three hours a day getting her hair done. Mm. And it takes him about an hour to get her into her very famous 19 and a half inch waist. Whoa. She's like 5'9", too. She's like a, a tall woman. Um, and so... That's tiny. Tiny. And <gasps> the thing is, like, tight lacing can be done healthfully. It can be done without any ramifications for the body. 
Okay. But it seems like with how intensely Cece was focused on how small the waist should be instead of training mm. it, mm. which is done over years with custom corsets, although of course Cece had her own corsets, mm-hmm. she was just like, make it small. Yeah. And she, I, I believe she would measure it. So I've actually been to both the Hofburg Palace and Schönbrunn. And they're mm. kind of also known as like the CC Palace because that's where she lived a lot of her um, like official life, if that makes mm. sense. Mm. Um, and so she, I mean, her like little gymnasium is really interesting. It's also the room where she would get ready. It, it She would exercise to the extreme and fasted and all of that points to um severely disordered eating and 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 you know it's it's sad i mean she would literally she would fence she would walk at a crazy pace she would mm. horseback ride to an extreme and again by constantly tight lacing she was in her mother-in-law's eyes flaunting her lack of pregnancy whoa Whoa. Because if you remember at the very beginning oh of her marriage, gosh. she was not allowed to not show her very pregnant body. Oh. And so for her to tight lace is seen as this like insult. <gasps> gosh, that's bizarre. Yeah. She wrote poetry a lot, actually. And one hmm. of them I think is often quoted, but it's because it's, pretty upsetting and also very clear. She says, Oh, had I but never left the path that would have led me to freedom. Oh, that on the broad avenues of vanity, I had never strayed. I have awakened in a dungeon with chains on my hands. Hmm. So, you know, there's no, she she says, I've always wanted to be on the move. Every ship I see sailing away fills me with the greatest desire to be on it. Yikes. (laughs) Yeah, she's constantly trying to get out. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping. And that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements. Featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST. And up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. And part of it is she's not well. Mm. And, you know, yeah, it's something that's really interesting. She does really find joy in being the quote people's princess. And there are a lot of modern day comparisons to princess Diana and Empress Cece. Mm. 
Okay. There are a lot of differences, yeah. but they're both yeah, married yeah, really yeah. young, overbearing mother-in-laws, husbands who were like, Bleh, and then, you know. But by all accounts, Franz Joseph was deeply, deeply in love with her and wasn't sucking so hard um, okay. as a certain current king. <clears throat> so cough, 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 cough. So she would visit hospitals and charity wards and she wouldn't mm, tell see. anyone yeah. ahead of time because she wasn't going for the press. Like she was going to right, visit the people right, right. and, you know, people like she, I think one of her ladies in waiting said that she was truly like an angel of mercy going from bed to bed. Mm. And, you know, people were really upset and she said she would visit psychiatric hospitals and she wanted to open one for herself. And what's really funny is she, the same uh, lady in waiting says that, Cece said once, have you not noticed that in Shakespeare, the madmen are the only sensible ones? True. I'm like, yes, girl. We yes. love So true. she was really just beginning late 1870s, 1880s. Cece's not doing well. Mm. She's traveling a lot. She is trying to move on. But I mean, as she's getting older, she starts using mixtures of raw veal and strawberries as a face mask. She would put the Ooh. raw veal on her face and then sleep with like a leather mask on top, which just sounds like the most terrifying what? thing. And then if it was like strawberry season, apparently she would crush them, put them on her face and sleep with that. It would, she would wash her what? hair once a month and it would take a full day. And they would use a mixture of egg whites and cognac. Who's who's coming up with this? I think she is. She. There was a woman who was specifically tasked to be her hairdresser, Franziska von Fifalik or Fanny. And she used to dress actresses. And was like, and Cece saw her and was like, you do their hair well, you're coming to work for me. And career switch. Yeah, basically. And she was given a wild annual salary. And it was like a ritual. (laughs) Yeah. So this is a description of it. Fanny wore a black dress with a white cobweb lace apron and used a special silver bowl for the dead hair she brushed out, which had to be shown to the empress first. What? As the completion of a cult ritual. (laughs) Um, So then Fanny curtsied and said, I lay myself at your majesty's feet, which is like an older phrase for like prostrating yourself in Mm. submission. Mm. Mm -hmm. and it all happened in her dressing and exercise room, which I was saying I've actually been to. It's really interesting. It's quite small, actually, but it's basically described in – I've read some articles, and it describes, like, Fanny's hair studio or, like, the dressing room as, like, an artist's studio because the artwork had to be created. Like, it's just – yeah, very interesting. She, you know – Basically, she – I believe the reason why, and I think I'm – not, I'm not the first. This is not like a revolutionary thought. Mm-hmm. But she, you know, believed as a lot of women do that she would lose value should she age. And – Yeah, yeah. Um, You know, but what's interesting too is like she wouldn't wear 
She didn't really love perfume. She didn't really like a lot of makeup. She let, like, she wanted her hair to smell good, obviously, but, like, Mm -hmm. that was kind of it. What was interesting is because she traveled a lot, it seems like her skin kind of got not great. But what's interesting is, like, I don't think that's the case because we have actually some photographs and she still looks remarkably young. Um, So whatever Mm -hmm. she's doing, including the Raviel and strawberry masks, the best is that she would travel with her own cow. So she would drink the raw milk. And sometimes she would bathe in the milk and or olive oil. She would apparently occasionally take hot olive oil baths, like to the point where she was almost burning her skin. So she's cooking herself. Kind of, yeah. (laughs) Fascinating. Yeah. And so You know, it's it's not too far. I I do believe milk baths still happen. I mean, yeah. I feel like you'd get a yeast infection, but among other things. Yeah. Yeah. Yeesh. Okay. Fascinating once again. Yeah. And apparently Fanny would like if she knew that the Empress would be really upset with how many hairs came out that day, she would like hide some so that she wouldn't see. I mean, the fact that you have to show the bowl is implying that yeah. there's, you got, you know, the reaction could be negative. Yeah. And it's so interesting far. though. So there was obviously a lot of time that was taken to have her hair done. And she, I mean, her hair was unbelievably heavy i mean it's really beautiful you you, we will show pictures and you guys will see pictures of it um but it's she would wear it braided it was kind of always worn in this like crown like do i mean it Mm -hmm. really like people were trying so hard to have her hair but like no one had that hair so if you weren't using hair pieces what were you doing but she had to sometimes have cords put in to help take the pressure off of her head because all the pins, it was so heavy, gave her headaches. Like, but she would never, no one, like, there is no talk ever, ever about cutting her hair. And what's interesting is oh, there, no. in, um, like, she wouldn't tolerate it. There's no, a new movie no. that came out like a year ago called Corsage. And in it, they yes, show, I want to see it. Yeah, they show, so that's about Cece. Um, oh. They show Cece as she's, I believe after she turned 40, which at the time was like, you are old and no one likes you. Um, they show her like cutting her hair in a fit of revolution. I I think that's like the one thing she would not have done. And it's because her hair continued to be this yeah, it means literal crown. Yeah. yeah. And it, I mean, it is like your look. I've looked. I mean, I'm staring at pictures right now because I just it's wild. It's the most incredible hair in the world. I'm not even kidding you. It's wild. <laughs> Mm-hmm. So she says also, like, I don't want to get pregnant again because, and I quote, children are the curse of a woman. For when they come, they drive away beauty, which is the best gift of the gods. So not happy. I'm sure Sophie loved that. <laughs> I mean, yeah, but at this point, she gave him the son. She doesn't give a shit. And yeah, yeah. fair. so we've reached the bit where finally she's like, you know what? I want one more kid. And so there was this. Mm, interesting. When Austria and Hungary became that dual monarchy, mm-hmm. she um, was like, we will celebrate that with a daughter. 
or with a child, and then of course they end up having a daughter. If it was going right. to be a son, it would have become like the next king of Hungary. Yeah, but it was a yeah. daughter, and it was Marie Valerie, and hmm. she was born in Buda, which is now part of Budapest. Obviously, Buda's on one side of the river, Pest was on the other, mm-hmm. and. Elizabeth was like, finally, a kid of my own. And so she was like, I've never had children before. This is my only one. So basically, all of her other children felt even more neglected. And Cece was like, and then Marie Valerie was like, leave me alone, please, at one point. Apparently, Cece would only speak to her in Hungarian. Oh, so they have their own... Yeah, and with like, together. <laughs> I, what's interesting though is like the language that's always used to describe Marie Valerie's relationship with her mother mm-hmm. on her behalf, not Marie Valerie's words, but like, yeah, is that she was being smothered. Oh, and yeah, she used her, much. like, I think, what was it? Oh, here it is. Um, she repressed, she used all of her repressed maternal feelings on her youngest daughter. I don't think that's the case. Uh. I think that's a very fascinating characterization of people who don't want to give women um, full emotional lives. I do think she took advantage of the fact that Sophie wasn't there and also died not that long after. Sophie finally dies in 1872. Oh, okay, cool. It took I mean, a while, but she, sorry, she did. Yeah. No, it's... <laughs> yeah yeah so she ends up i i mean i think she sees marie valerie as like i have a built-in companion now and confidant which again selfish because it's a child and you know should have all the gifts and especially a princess basically like you know you would assume Mm -hmm. and hope that the child would end up having all the opportunity um to grow up that way but Mm-hmm. you know she constantly traveled and marie valerie went with her and she was just this very you know kind of interesting mother-daughter relationship very codependent and but actually more dependent on cc's part marie valerie was kind of like eh, okay um well, she didn't need it if she was getting it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And so, you know, Franz Joseph was like, would you like to come back and live a life as my wife? And she's like, I'm going to keep traveling. I don't know. And, but they, it was never, it was always very cordial. Like he was in love and I think she liked him a lot. I mean, it was a friendship. Apparently she found a beautiful actress for him to have an affair with. Hmm. so that he could have that part fulfilled yeah and she yeah. could travel i don't know hmm. if that's true but it's well talked about so there you go it's interesting what's interesting too is like so her dad was like quite an eccentric man and her family is like um she's had she's had more than one cousin referred to as like mad so-and-so like mad ludwig or sure, sure. or something and sure. so um maybe there was an element of like that but i think it was more just like a chafing you know like not that i want to minimize her mental experience i think it was torture but like i think she was inclined to be living such a different life and then just to have it like that and then all of a sudden you find yourself like there you know like there was nothing about her life that she could change 
Absolutely. Um, yeah. So this is the same behavior. She's she ends up being able to employ. Um, so Corfu becomes like one of her favorite places. She spends a long time building the palace. It doesn't really become completed until after her death because mm. um, she spends so freaking long building it. Um, but mm-hmm. she loved it. And um, so she like employs a Greek tutor and he writes one of the first biographies of her. His name's like Constantine Christo something. Anyway, mm-hmm. Um, and he is like, man, she's like, he, I think was like, just in awe of who she was, you know? And, um, yeah, of course. Can you imagine this like young intellectual gets to meet this woman? And then all of a sudden is like, Hey, you know? Um, so she would use some of the three plus hours of getting ready in the morning and in the, for the day, like to study, she read and she, learned languages and conversed with her Greek tutor and, you know, really Mm -hmm. used it as like a furtherance of her brain, which I think is really interesting. So it's not like it was this like empty, intense ritualistic thing. It was ritualistic and intense, but it wasn't empty. (laughs) Right. Right. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. And I just think this is the time where like we start to see so much rhetoric about what an unstable, insane woman or, shirking of her duties or what a terrible mother, which is of course the first thing you throw at a woman. Um, and I think, again, I simply say Cece was never given an opportunity to not be a self-fulfilling prophecy. It was. Yeah. Right. They, they decided it for her. For her. And then it was so stringent that she had no chance basically. And so, yeah, I think what's interesting is so she ends up um, – oh, God, her poor son. So Rudolph is very close with his older sister, um, Gisela, and then he's six years old and they're like, you need to become an emperor, basically. And they still were very close. Um, Gisela ends up getting married just like her mom did at 16, mm-hmm. um, which is funny because I don't think – Gisela had a lot of freedom in choosing her husband. She ends up marrying Prince Leopold of Bavaria, yet another cousin. Um, so, I mean, they're all... It's a Habsburg thing. Like, you've heard of the Habsburg jaw, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, this is a different branch because that branch had died out because they were so unwell, what they did to each other and themselves. Um, yeah, no, it's... Oh, it's bad. Um, but... Yeah, so the intermarriage of the Habsburgs, though, continued, which could have accounted for maybe their well-known eccentricities and other things. Um, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But what's really horrible is that Rudolph was given this setup by Sophie, a horrible physical and emotionally abusive education by this guy. He would like, I guess sometimes he would be woken up with gunshots I have like a six-year-old boy. Oh my gosh. Yeah, okay. no, it was bad. But Rudolph, I mean, so his mom ends up finding out and goes, what the hell? And so she is like, no, 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 no. Put him in a normal, like, just educate him normally. Why are yeah. you torturing this child? So of she course. did stand up for him when given the opportunity. When she found yeah. out what was happening, now to be fair, she was traveling around a lot and didn't necessarily yeah. know. But yeah. when she did, she did something. Um. And so then he becomes really interested in science and 
he like collects a lot of minerals to the point where it was like it basically founded <laughs> like a museum now it's kind of crazy um mm-hmm and so, and Rudolph, because of the timing of everything, he becomes quite liberal. And so he starts writing kind of revolutionary-esque pamphlets and books. And some of them are, are have only recently been found. Um, and it's very interesting. But in 1881, um, when he's like 20, I can't do math, um, he gets married to Princess Stephanie of Belgium. Mm-hmm. And initially it's quite happy. And they have a daughter named Elizabeth. Um, okay. in 1883 um, but then immediately Rudolph was like really unstable so he starts drinking a lot he's sleeping with anything that moves okay. and um, he had already kind of had that reputation but mm-hmm, it didn't mm-hmm. help right. um, and so Rudolph was sick his wife Stephanie got sick mm-hmm. and most likely it's because Rudolph had given her gonorrhea. Oh. And okay. it made her infertile. Oh jeez. Okay. Additionally, he most likely had syphilis. Right. And probably took a lot of morphine. And because of that, Oof. by 1889 everyone knew oh, Stephanie's not having any more kids and yeah. Rudolph is not well. Yeah. So in 1886 he buys Merling, which is a hunting lodge. Hunting mm-hmm. lodge is not the right word. It's a freaking castle, basically. It's crazy. Sure. And it's it's I love royal hunting lodges. <laughs> you know Versailles started as a hunting lodge? Oh, that little place? Yeah, I mean it was wildly expanded, but it started as a hunting lodge. <sighs> so, you know, hunting lodge. Castle. <laughs> Yeah. So 1886, he buys it and he uses it a lot. That's the same year Mm -hmm. he maims his wife. And two years later, he's 30 and he meets a Mm 17-year-old baroness named Marie von Vestera. And um, she was like an actress, I guess, or something. I'm trying to remember. Um, Okay. And they began a quite a... Horde affair. And then on the 30th of January, 1889, someone found them both dead. And <gasps> it was either a joint suicide, but <gasps> I would m- say it was most likely a murder suicide where he killed her and then a couple hours later shot himself in the head. What? What? Yeah. He shot her? Yeah, she... I don't know if he... I don't know how he killed her. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, so... Yeah. Mm Mm-hmm. That's Um, the air. (sighs) So it seems like he either (gasps) drank poison or, like, shot himself. It's hard to tell by the time they found him mm-hmm. um Mer- mm, marie von vester like already rigor mortis like already not good they tried to find you know 
anything but the basically his hunting companion um was like shit so he immediately he saw they were both dead and um wow uh ran to vienna and basically the because they were the court was run by it's like called the spanish court protocol it was so intense that he had to go to the emperor's um general one of the generals and say you have to tell him and then then it like moved to a different person so like then the general said that only elizabeth can tell the emperor that so the controller of her household was found and then her favorite hungarian lady in waiting was determined was found and they're like how do we tell her to tell him like how do we do this so she was at her Greek lesson, um, which means she was in the middle of getting ready. Game, yeah. Truly yeah. the worst. And then um, her controller. Oh, so her favorite hunger. Um, Ida. We're gonna just gonna call her Ida because I can't pronounce her last name. It's Hungarian. I don't know. I don't know what to say. Ferenci. I don't know. It's fine. Ida mm-hmm. tells Elizabeth that the Baron, who her is her um, controller had news and elizabeth said baron has to wait and come later and ida's like no you should really come now oh my god and gosh. then the ida's like it's about your son it's not good and ida comes into the room with the baron elizabeth is not well emperor appears outside the apartment because of course everyone knows everything in the palace and was waiting there with the baron who was like, I can't tell shit. I don't know what to do. I don't know what to do. Baron oh didn't God. tell him. He was just standing there. And then the emperor entered and she told him. And there was a, a, a cover up. Obviously, they didn't want to have, um, you know. The people know. Yeah. That he murdered, most likely murdered his mistress. 17-year-old mistress. Wow. And. Um, wow. The fact that the crown prince had killed himself. Um, so, Franz Joseph, because they're Catholic, Franz Joseph had to ask that they um, give dispensation for him to be buried in the imperial crypt because he committed suicide and murder. And right, if you do right. that, you don't get to get yeah. married with the Catholics. And so right. they There's grant dispensation way. saying he was not mentally well, which is most likely very true obviously if you're going to do something like that yeah exactly yeah and um yeah so basically like all the royals are talking about it everyone kind of knows but um oh yeah that's big news it's bad it's it's bad yeah um yeah it elizabeth is immediately plunged into an even worse depression she mm-hmm wears pretty much black or a version of gray for the rest of her life. And we thought she was traveling a lot before she was traveling even more. Now her daughter who already was living abroad because she got married at freaking 16. Oh, and so Mm -hmm. Gisela got married at 16 and then Mm -hmm. had a baby right away, just like her mom, which means Elizabeth was a grandmother at 36. Creepy. Which is like not helping any of her issues yeah so 
her younger sister dies in a fire. What? Her father dies. Her elder sister, Helene, and her mom all die. And what? then her favorite Hungarian count dies. And she says of him, my last and only friend is dead. Sorry, what's the time frame here? It's within <laughs> it's- like three years. Oh my gosh. So her sister dies in 1897. Her father, son, and s- her father dies in 1888. Her son in 1889. Her sister, Helene, in 1890. And her mom in 1892. And the Hungarian oh count gosh. dies in 1890. Oh my gosh. It's constant. Yeah. So again, tight lacing. Right. Like, Apparently, she would have really rigid, like the corsets to the point where like they were built differently because and she would wear through them because of how tight she was forcing them to be laced. Like that's not normal. No. Um, It's probably her dealing with all her emotions. Yeah. And the more that like the fashion changed from like the, the wide, beautiful wide skirts of the mid 18th century to like the more narrow, like late. Um. Mm 19th century sorry i meant 19th century she was like the immediate adoption of like more uh you know streamlined lean silhouettes and um she was often sewn into her clothing so that's wild we thought it was bad before um the amount of time she was already taking to get ready yeah and so she maintained a hundred and ten pound weight, which is not at five nine f- for anyone. Yeah, not uh, good. No. Um, and she would take steam baths. Like I'm, it's just not good. Um, and so, I mean, she would ride for hours, like on like horse riding. And Mm -hmm. it didn't matter that, like, and then she got such bad sciatica. She was like, fine, we're going to walk even more. And then, like, you know, she's doing all the, it's the same beauty regimen. It's the same thing. And she's just continuing to travel. Um, And people like to say that she had affairs with a lot of people. I I don't think so. I really don't think so. Um, I think she had a real horror of intimacy, physical intimacy. I think this is not someone who is comfortable in their own body and would seek out that kind of interaction. They really, I mean, a lot of people are like, Ooh, she and the the Hungarian count. And I'm like, I don't think so. I don't think she would have done that. I don't know. It's just me. Um, Mm -hmm. There's never been any actual evidence for the affairs. It's just like what people conjecture. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, so she always had these companions while she was traveling, and she kind of created her own mini court and tried to find joy. But, I mean, you know, it wasn't great. And so her favorite daughter, Marie Valerie, ends up getting married. And Cece tells her, I'll let you choose whoever you want to get married to. You get to marry for love. Didn't get to do that with her other kids. That's <laughs> um, okay. It was just for Marie Valerie. She's the favorite. She's the favorite. And so in the same year that her mother and uh, her the count the Hungarian count die, her 
and a year after her son died, um, she had to, uh, Marie Valerie had found who she wanted to get married to, but had to wait because of everything that had happened. And so in 1890, she married her third cousin. Um, that was and the person she wanted to marry? She wanted to. They wanted her to marry someone more important. And um, and Empress Elizabeth was like, she can marry whoever she wants. I don't care. Okay. All right. And her siblings hated her for it because of the freedom, but like it's not her fault. Um, yeah. Yeah. So she had to renounce her right to the Austrian throne because she got married to a cousin who was a minor prince from the Tuscan branch of the family. So like not important. Mm-hmm. And Empress Cece actually wore gray for the occasion instead of black. It seems as though she wore color occasionally. There's a beautiful dress that was found that seems to date from a time after her son's death. And it's this beautiful blue um, that she most likely wore in Greece, I believe. And I'll try and find a picture of it. It's really stunning. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, so yeah. So they get married. She ends up having 10 freaking kids. Wow. Ten. That's a lot. So many kids. Yeah, way too many kids. Um, so... Marie Valerie's kind of happy for most of her life, and then she and her husband don't don't go well. Oh, don't, don't really end that well. But there you go. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So Cece decides to continue traveling, and she starts to travel um, like under pseudonyms because of uh, some danger. I mean, again, there's like some kind of crazy things happening in Europe at the time, um, mm-hmm. and so. She ends up traveling to Geneva. Um, and in 1898, the Swiss people were like, it just might not be like a great call for you to come. And she's like, no, nah, I'm good. So she travels to Geneva and she stays at the Hotel Beau Rivage. And she goes under a pseudonym. And I forget what it is because it's this like hilarious fake Hungarian name because I'm like, you go girl. Oh, Countess of Hohenems. Hohenems. H O H E N E M B S. Honems. Absolutely. Sure. So she travels under that name and she's staying with her last and favorite lady in waiting, Irma. Mm-hmm. And she's traveling around, she's walking around, she's in Switzerland for a while, and then she's gonna actually go to Montreux, which is um a common place. For people to go to. I think it's still on part of Lake Geneva. Um, so it would just be traveling around there. And so she's going to go buy maybe some like fun little trinkets. And she um, is walking with Irma to catch a steamship. And she didn't want anyone with her because she was just like, I, I don't love all the you know, crazy stuff. And she's a, still like a very striking woman. She's still quite tall. She has a tiny, tiny waist. Um, mm-hmm. But she's traveling under a fake name. And they're walking under a promenade when um, a random guy comes up and tries to like look underneath her parasol. And it seems like um, he stumbles and like accidentally hits her. And the guy like runs away and she falls over and then she kind of gets up and she's like, what's happening? And then Elizabeth gets up and 
with the help of Irma and walks to the gangway, boards the boat. And then kind of the moment it takes off, she collapses. And uh, it is unknown why, but Irma starts freaking out. And she calls for a doctor and there's no one there. And because no one knew it was actually the Empress, he is like, you can take the lady and go back to the hotel, but like whatever. And then they end up, but the boat's like already going out of the harbor. Like it's, it's just not good timing. And Mm. then Irma opens the dress, cuts open her corset laces so she can breathe and notices a red stain above her left breast. And Elizabeth opens her eyes and Irma's like, are you okay? Are you in pain? She goes, no. And then Elizabeth goes, what's happened? What has happened? And then she loses consciousness. And then Irma's like, this is the Empress. We're going back to the hotel. So the boat turns around. She's carried into the Hotel Beau Rivage by six sailors um, on this like crazy improvised stretcher. Um, Mm. A visiting nurse and the wife of the hotel's director, which is nice. And the count, they, they unclothe her and they notice a few drops of blood and a small wound. And by the time they took her from the stretcher to the bed, she had passed away. Wait, what? It looks like what actually happened was what happened was, so basically we had two doctors and a priest and they were going to grant her absolution. The priest came and he checks her artery. He like cuts into her artery and there's no blood. And what? What had actually happened was the man who had bumped her was a Italian anarchist, 25 oh year God. old, Luigi oh Luca- Luceni. And he had filed a four inch long sharpened needle. It was an industrial needle and he <gasps> put it in a wooden handle and he had stabbed her right in her chest and it actually punctured her heart <gasps> because her corset was so tight laced. It actually helped to compress the wound, but eventually the pericardium, the sac around the heart fills with blood and that's when she collapses. But that's why she's able to get up and walk. <gasps> so she was assassinated. Oh my gosh. Later they end up catching Luigi Luceni. And uh, he calls it the propaganda of the deed. And originally he had traveled to Geneva to kill someone else, the Duc Uh, Uh d'Orléans, but he didn't show up. And then a Geneva newspaper had said, hey, guess what? The lady who's pretending to stay at the Hotel Beau Rivage under the name of the Countess of Hohenems was actually Empress Sisi. And so this is a quote from Luigi. He says, I'm an anarchist by conviction. I came to Geneva to kill a sovereign with the object of giving an example to those who suffer and those who do nothing to improve their social position. It did not matter to me who the sovereign was whom I should kill. It was not a woman I struck, but an empress. It was a crown that I had in view. That's crushing. Yeah, really, really horrific. And so a telegram was sent to Franz Joseph and he immediately was like, oh, she finally killed herself. And they're like, no, she was assassinated. And he lost it. He was so upset, obviously. Um, What's really interesting is all of 
her like remaining children were basically like, this is how she would have wanted to go. What? Because she talked about death quite a bit, especially after her son died. And it seems as though she would make comments about, she didn't want to like get old and infirm and need someone to take care of her. Like she was just really like, yeah, wasn't happy. And so like, she doesn't want to be aware of the impending nature of her death. And so for her to not be aware and it didn't seem like she was in that much pain. Okay. Um, All right. Okay. I get it. Yeah. So Geneva's like in crazy mourning. She's her body's placed into like a triple coffin. So there's two lead ones and the last one's bronze. Mm. And the it's fitted with glass panels covered with doors so that they could slide back and see her face. So creepy. Ugh. Yeah. Yeah. And then the body was carried back to Vienna aboard a funeral train and they inscribed on it Elizabeth Empress of Austria. And the Hungarians found out and were like, excuse me? How dare you? And they're like, sorry, and Queen of Hungary. So they added that. And she was officially buried on the 17th of September and um, ends up being interred in the Imperial Crypt, um, which I have seen. On one side is her husband's tomb and on the other is Crown Prince Rudolph's tomb. Mm. And it's really interesting because not too much changed about perception of of her. Like she passed and then that was just like a part of her life, which is so bizarre to me because it's like the most insane ending. Like, it's just like, I'm sorry, what? And yeah, she was so young, so young. And so it was just so out of the freaking blue and it's just insane. And yet the impression we have of her is like, oh, she shouldn't have gone. She knew there was danger like people say that like she's oh, like i'm using a pseudonym hindsight like, 2020 truly and then you know she's been traveling she, this whole time exactly why would, why would this one be different yes thank you and um franz joseph talks and says of you know of her death he goes that a man could be found to attack such a woman whose whole life was spent in doing good and who never injured any person is to me incomprehensible mm. oh that's nice yeah, so turns out she had been a very wise investor and had a shit ton of money. So she gave a lot to it of it to religious and charitable institutions, mm-hmm. and she gave a lot of stuff to her granddaughter, um, Rudolph's daughter. Mm-hmm. And there's a lot of statues of her, and a lot of her portraits have become very, you know, like famous. There's a really, really beautifully famous one of Empress Cece in a gala dress with these crazy diamond stars. It's like 27 of them mm-hmm. in a pointed star with a giant pearl. And there's a couple of them that are still in existence. And um, it, it's just absolutely unreal. Um, and oh, no, yeah, they have a whole set of them, but you can only see a couple of them on display um and it's a very famous portrait of her and part of it was actually used as inspiration for the portrait that or the portrait for the costume that um christine in the phantom of the opera movie wears the like Mm. pink dress with the crazy hair that's like based on this portrait it's extremely Mm. famous and it's it's wild um 
And pretty much immediately after her death, people are writing stuff about it or creating uh, stories. I mean, she was absolutely bigger in memory and in public thought than she ever wanted to be or was in real life. Um, It's just really interesting. So in 1932, there was a comic operetta premiered in Vienna. 1943, Jean Cocteau wrote a play about pretending that she and her assassin met. There was a musical in 1992, which, oh God, I can't. Um, Although apparently it's like still crazy successful. There was a beautiful ballet, a couple of different ones. The first film that came out was in 1921. It was co-written by Cece's niece, who plays herself, even though she's 62 and she plays like a child of herself, which is crazy. Fascinating. Yeah, it's just insane. Then another film came out in 1931. There was another film in 1936. Another Jean Cocteau directed a version of his play. There was another one. like, And then very famously, those romantic films of Cece um, starring uh, Romy Schneider um, came out starting in 1955. Mm -hmm. And yeah, I mean, it's just crazy. In the last couple of years, there, what is it? It's a play. Oh yeah. So Corsage came out. Then there's a film called Cece and I. Mm-hmm. Then there's that that came out this year, I guess Cece and I. Mm-hmm. Um, which they're all making up a lot of stuff. It's fine. There was a two-part miniseries in 2009 and a 2021 miniseries that was German called CC. And then in 2022, the Netflix miniseries came out. I mean, it's just like one after another. There are a lot of books written about her. One of the books that was written was actually by Constantine Christomanos, who was her Greek tutor. Um, Basically, like she was this beautiful, idealistic princess. And then people have written a lot of different books and things. There was a really famous biography that I don't know how I feel about it. I've never really been that much of a fan of it just because I found um, it was quite critical of CC, and it's written by a woman, which is like always disappointing to me because I'm like, come on. True. Agreed. Have a little empathy. Um, it's by um, Brigitte Hanman, Haman. She, it's called The Reluctant Empress. Mm-hmm. And it's purported to have restarted interest in Cece's life. This is in 1988. But Cece isn't seen as this, like, beautiful fairy princess. She's seen as this, like, horrible woman who, like, hates everyone and is bitter and dies a broken woman. And I'm like, you know... That's a very different narrative. It is, but what's interesting is it was the first time someone was like, she wasn't a fairy princess. So I do see it, like, introduces a different level of complications, what it is to be a woman in a, a hot dynasty. Take, if you will. A hot, yes, truly a hot take. Um, okay. But yeah, so her daughter Gisela had four kids. Um, and I believe between Gisela and Marie Valerie, there are still living descendants of Cece alive today, some of whom live in some of the imperial castles Mm -hmm. and it's so interesting just because 
I really just like talking about her life because I think there's been so much speculation about motivations and like her mental state. And obviously it's interesting to talk about it, but then to make determinations based on it to me is kind of like improper. A, because mm-hmm. we don't know. Right. And B, because I think she would have hated it. <laughs> I don't know. You know? Yeah, fair, fair. And the fact that we're still talking about her today, that she's become this infamous woman. I mean, like in America, a lot of people don't know. I think because there's so many TV shows and movies out right now, that's kind of changing. But in Germany, it's like if you said Queen Victoria, like it, it's just like everyone knows and it knows a lot about her. Right. Um but for a woman who desperately wanted privacy and remoteness to be so wildly public in death is is really interesting to me. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's another one of those stories where her life is, is absolutely stranger than fiction. And yet all of these depictions of her life always are crazy fictionalized stuff. And I'm like, if you just did the real thing. Yeah. That's always I'd be the more case. shocked, but yeah, <laughs> every time too, and I'm like, come on, like even this one, this one, fine. I know there's some executive sitting in some tall chair, banging a hammer, saying, <laughs> "No, do it this Nine. way." <laughs> that's true. Yeah, exactly, exactly. So that's Empress Cece. Empress Elizabeth cool. of Austria. Extremely cool. Just crazy. Yeah, there were a lot of there were a lot of twists and turns there. Yeah. I felt like a soap opera almost. I mean, yeah. Again, so why are you making it up? I'm fine. Um yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm fine. But yeah, I mean again, it's so interesting though, because like if you talk to people about Cece, a lot of the time, like the first thing they'll think of is like, oh, she had she had like an eating disorder and was really pretty and had a tiny waist. That's what they'll talk about. It's immediate her appearance which is kind of what she wanted i guess i mean it, if it was shocking yeah no i think like she just the wanted hair, to talk the hair about is that. shocking the the size of the waist is kind of shocking you know what yeah. i mean mm-hmm. i think it's also though just to like for it to be about how beautiful she was instead of mm-hmm. anything else but she did spend a lot of time um doing good works and you know that's always yeah. secondary to beauty, though. That's true. That is true. You're right. Beauty, I'm so sorry. Beauty is beauty is paramount. Obviously. I <laughs> what am I? What am I even thinking? But um, luckily, we've learned. <laughs> yes, I've I've been corrected, and I really appreciate that. that's important to me. That's <laughs> um, what we do here. <laughs> no, but that was. I mean, she's extremely cool. Yeah, just a really interesting woman. I encourage everyone to read more about her if you're going to read brigitte's biography be wary um because i don't salt. know how i feel about it ever pile of um, salt sorry grain of salt pile of salt oh pile of salt pile of salt <laughs> but i think it's important to like you can still see like a new perspective, but that was in the eighties. We got perspective now, you know, different to me. It's different. Heck yeah, we do. And also just like, I do love looking at portraits of her. I know that sounds weird. She's just, she, it's like 
it's just, they're beautiful. They're so beautiful. And she looks incredible. And having been to where she lives, having gone to both the CC Museum and um, the Schönbrunn Palace, it's just really striking to be in the rooms and, and you know, to see um, her life. So, mm-hmm. yeah, recommend reading more and seeing more. And yeah, We're going to put a bunch of that on our Instagram. There are so many, not just paintings, but pictures. We have actual photographs. It's so exciting. (laughs) That is always fun, honestly. It is. Yeah. It's pretty great. Well, thus concludes. Thank you so much for listening. (laughs) Thank you. Check out our Instagram. Leave comments if you'd like. Like and subscribe. Yeah, let us know what you think. And we'll have another episode ready for you in a month. That's right. That's right. Thanks for listening. Until then. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more, with Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.